0: Right, so last week uh, we started the first, uh, first part of this two-week two series to end the year. And so the two advents of Christ. And so last week we looked at Christ's first coming. We saw several Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in Christ. We talked about the law of probabilities and how it, was, it would take, like, I can't remember what the number was. One in billions is what it would take for all this to be fulfilled in one person. And so we talked about some of those things. Uh, but we can rejoice in his first coming as he became God with us, is that he took on flesh, he left his place in heaven, he took on flesh, came, and he dwelt among us. And so we rejoice in the fact that he came into the world to save sinners. His first advent brought hope to the hopeless, and so he brought hope, he brought peace, he brought joy into this world. And so we are so grateful and we rejoice in that. It's in this hope uh, that we eagerly await and look forward to his second coming, which is what we're going to look at today. The second advent is when he comes again. So, the first one obviously has already happened. The second one is what we are looking forward to. We anticipate happening. So, there are many Old Testament prophecies that speak um, toward the second coming of Christ. If you remember last week, we looked at the mountain peaks of prophecy. So, the prophets couldn't see everything. They couldn't see, uh, what they could see was they saw the birth, they saw the death. They could see the second coming of Christ uh, and they could see the very the end. Some of those things got a little muddled maybe they, and they didn't fully understand what was going on, but they couldn't see everything. There are many valleys that they couldn't see and we are currently living in one of those valleys that they could not see. and this valley they couldn't see was the time between the first coming and the second coming of Christ. They could not see these. so they couldn't completely understand. Uh, certain realities concerning grace and salvation, because their prophecies had not been yet fulfilled. Yet they believed them by faith. So the Old Testament prophets, Old Testament saints were saved by faith. So First Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 10 and 12 says this. It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about, about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when they would when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving that they were serving not themselves but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So they thought carefully, they, they thought deeply about what these prophecies meant. They didn't know. But what became clear to them was that these prophecies were not for themselves. They were for those who would come later. And so now we have the the benefit of being able to look back and see these prophecies that were fulfilled um, in Christ, in his first coming. And so there are so many different prophecies concerning the second coming of Christ. And so as I was looking at that, I'm going, there's too many. How are we going to do this? How are we going to uh, talk about the second coming of Christ and the prophecies, um, because there's so many. But with that said, I would like to spend tonight looking at one prophecy that's found in Second Peter chapter 3. And we'll read that whole chapter. So if you have your Bibles, go to Second Peter chapter 3. Second Peter chapter 3. Says this: This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by the way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through our through your apostles. Knowing this first, that all scoff that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following after their own sinful desires. They will say, "Where is the promise of His coming?" For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all these things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, and through water by the word of God. And that that by means of these the world then existed, was deluged with water, and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. And at peace, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks to them in these matters. And I love this next statement that Peter says. He says, There are some things in them that are hard to understand. So Peter says, Man, even what Paul wrote, some of that stuff is hard to understand. because said, Which the ignorant and unstable twist their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. You, therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care, take care that you are not carried away with error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. And so we're going to look and talk about this chapter tonight. But people have been predicting the return of Christ for centuries. Each one of those dates... In years, they've come and they've gone, yet Christ has not returned. And, of course, Second Peter 3, 4 talks about these scoffers, or mockers, I guess you could say, uh, who, have, who go around saying, where is the promise of his coming? Hippolytus of Rome, Sextus Julius Africanus, that's a mouthful, that name, and Irenaeus, each predicted that Christ would return in the year 500. So here we are, 1,522 years later, Christ has not come, so they missed it by just a bit. Many of you will remember the eighty-eight reasons why Christ was coming in nineteen eighty-eight. Once again, we we we've, we've missed that. Um, then there's a guy. Well, let me back up before I say that. Many predicted Christ's return in the year two thousand. Do y'all remember the year two thousand? The whole kind of crazy thing in the year two thousand, how people thought the world was going to end, and you know, computers were going to Go off, you know. Banks were going to go crazy, and you know, do y'all remember all that? Yes, and thought the world was going to end. Uh, that was a that was a wild time. And then we have Harold Camping, the guy, a guy, kind of crazy guy, said Christ would return May twenty first, two thousand eleven, followed by the end of the world October twenty first, two thousand eleven. You may remember that as well. Uh, clearly, he missed the mark. But one thing we know is that if somebody says this is going to be the day. We can guarantee that's not going to be the day. So if someone says it's going to be this day, well, we can be sure sure it's not that. There have been many other predictions since then as well. But the bottom line is that no one knows the day or the hour. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows. So what does no one mean? Who is no one? It's no one. It's no one. No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only, can't explain this to you how Jesus doesn't know. It's a mystery. I can't explain that to you because He's God, right? He knows all, but apparently He doesn't know this. The son of Son of God does not know, um, and I can't explain that to you. So uh, we'll just believe that by faith, and we'll move on. But um, nobody knows the day or the hour. Only the Father. So Jesus makes it very clear that no one knows. And it's very arrogant for one to predict any specific date since, Jesus, since not even Jesus knows. He says that nobody knows. and So for me to be able to say I'm smart enough to figure out when he's going to come again and say it's going to be on this day, it's, very, it's an arrogant way, arrogant mindset. Jesus doesn't even know the day or the hour until God says it's time. So what we, what we do know, though, is that Christ's return is imminent, and it could happen Anytime. It could happen at any moment. It could happen while we're here tonight. Wouldn't that be cool? But it could happen at any point, any time. And so let's finish this year by looking a little closer at 2 Peter and contemplate the promise of Christ's return. That's what we're going to be focusing on is the promise of his return. It hasn't happened, but he's promised it, so it's a sure thing. Second Peter is a letter... It's written to encourage Christians who are facing difficulties with false teachers, persecution. And he wrote also to warn them of the dangers that they faced. And so they were going through a difficult time. And so Peter writes this second letter to remind them of some things they need to know. And these are things that we need to know as well. And I don't have to tell you that life can be difficult. Life can be hard. Hard things happen um, in life. Just, for instance, these last couple of years, uh, Christians are facing increasing persecution. Think about, not here, but in California, when they were uh, saying that they could not meet together as a church. And John MacArthur, I believe, was leading that fight. And they're like, well, we're meeting anyways. And they ended up winning that, praise God. But this, this pressure to, to bow to whatever uh, the government says, uh, th- those, those, those pressures are real. Those are real, and uh, they're becoming more and more frequent. Um, again, uh, so Christians are facing that. Of course, sickness, financial difficulties, relational difficulties. And 2020 is a great example of these difficulties, how they can come at any given moment. I remember when that all happened. We were on our, cl- our class. We took a retreat to uh, Bonita Park and Rio and We had a good week, didn't we, Ronnie? Yeah. Yeah came back and there had been a run on toilet paper and uh and then it all began y'all remember this so remember it well and so we were having a great week and all of a sudden we're like what in the world just happened we were gone for a couple days we come back to this and the world kind of went crazy for a while and it's still going on but a great example of how difficulties can come at any given moment kind of out of nowhere government officials in many places were attempting to close down churches Of course, people got sick. Financial difficulties began, and those still persist today. People struggled relationally because what was the solution to the sickness? Isolate yourself. Well, we were never intended to be isolated. And so what happens when you're isolated? A lot of times you get sicker. Isolation is not a good thing. We are not meant to isolate. But this was the solution. And so we were never intended to live this way. We've been blessed in Texas not to have to go through these things in the way that many others have. Um, but with life, difficulties come. And a lot of times, they come out of nowhere. You're not expecting them. These people are going through difficult times as well. So Peter wrote this letter to encourage Christians who are facing difficulties in life and remind them of a couple specific things. The first thing we see in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 2. Says so that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. But he says in both before that, he says, in both of the, them, I'm stirring up uh, your your sincere mind by way of reminder. He says, I want to remind you of these things. So I want you to remember the, the predictions of the holy prophets. What were the holy prophets, what were they prophesying about? Of course, the coming of Christ. And also they're talking about the second coming of Christ as well. He says, I want you to remember them. And also the commandment of the Lord and Savior through, through your apostles. He calls them your apostles. But in light of difficulties in life, we need to remember the promises of God, and the trustworthiness of his word. He says, I want you to remember this. As you're going through these difficult times, as you're going through persecution, as you're going through uh, dealing with these false teachers who have infiltrated the church, Remember the promises of God and the trustworthiness of God. Remember God's word. The next thing we see that he, reminds, that he wants to remind them of is uh, the scoffers will come. We'll read these, these again, verses 1 through 7. So this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. And in both, in both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets. And the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first, that, all, that scoffers will come in the last days. With scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked the fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these the world then existed, was deluged with water, and perished. But the same word, uh, the heavens and the earth now exist, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So he says, in the last time, he says scoffers will come. Don't be surprised about scoffers. is what he's telling them. These scoffers were probably the false teachers spoken of in chapter 2. We're not going to read this, but chapter 2. Verses 12 through 22, it kind of des- describes these false teachers. And uh, really what these false teachers, what were they all about? They're all about themselves. It's all about personal gain. It's all about power. It's all about uh, position. It is, it's about all these things. And they've come in the church, and, uh, and, and it describes them, if you want to go read that at some point, in chapter 2, verses 12 through 22. But these teachers would mock his coming because they desired to live in ways that uh, that fulfilled their self-indulgent desires. These false teachers had infiltrated the church, and it was all about them. It was all about making much of themselves. They had nothing. To, they had no desire to teach God. It wasn't like these people, these false teachers were coming in and they had made some mistakes, and maybe they just didn't. They taught something, but they didn't understand it. It wasn't one of those kind of things. Like, oh, I messed that up. Let me, yeah, no. They they came in with intentionally doing this. They intentionally were doing this. But they would mock the promise of Christ's coming, saying, where is the promise of his coming? It's interesting, though. It it was roughly 4,000 years from Adam to Christ, first advent. So that was a 4,000-year, roughly, period, from Adam to Christ's first advent. So was that a long time, humanly speaking? Yes, that was a long time. A lot of patient waiting, a lot of wondering, God, where are you? But have you ever heard scoffers saying, where's the promise of his coming? I'm sure you have. Saying, why is he not here? Or maybe saying, he's already come. Have you heard that? We hear all these different things. But scoffers will come in the last days. And so he says, um, but Peter reminds these Christians that this will happen. Jude 17 and 18 says this, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. There will be scoffers. What are these scoffers about? Themselves. About their own sinful passions and desires. So he reminds them, first of all, to remember the predictions of the holy prophets and he says, Scoffers will come in the last days, and then verses eight through ten. Verses eight through ten says, And do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done in it will be exposed. The third thing he reminds him of is that God is not bound by time. That is hard for us to understand. Because as far as we're concerned, there's a beginning to things and there's an end to things. There's a beginning when we're born, and then we die. Uh, there's a beginning... Uh, like we again, church tonight started at 6: 30, it'd be over about 7: 30. So we all, everything we do is based on time, but God is outside of time. He 's not bound by time or anything else. And so that 's why it says, for, for the Lord, a thousand years as a day, and a days as a thousand years, because he 's not bound by time. God is outside of time. Eternity, past, present and future, they 're all the same to God. it 's all the same. And we can't understand that. We can't wrap our minds around that. The enormity of God and how he's not bound by anything. But we also know, using the word time, but God's timing is always perfect and his plan is always being worked out. His plan is being worked out. God's waiting. He also reminds them that God's waiting is mercy on those being saved. He says he's not slow in fulfilling his promise, but he's patient, patient, not wanting any, To perish, but to come to repentance. So the longer, the longer Christ waits to come, what does that mean? More people can be saved. It's God's grace, it's God's mercy. He says he's not being slow. Again, to him, eternity, past, present, future, it's all the same. He's outside of time. But he wants people to come to repentance. 2 Peter 2, verse 5 speaks of Noah, calls him a herald of righteousness or maybe a preacher of righteousness how long did it take Noah to build the ark took over a hundred years didn't it Noah was a preacher what do you think he was preaching repentance for a hundred years he preached repentance how again it took over a hundred years Noah proclaimed judgment is coming but God was patient if any of those people would have repented would God have saved them Yes. If they would have turned from their sin, would God save them? Yes. God will save any, any person who, turns to him, who repents of their sin and turns to him. So God was patient even in that situation until Noah got on the ark. God says, it's time. Get on the ark. Shuts the door. The flood happens. But they didn't, they didn't repent of their sin. Noah was a herald of righteousness, a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of judgment. Saying, judgment's, judgment's coming, but you can be saved. If you will repent of your sin, you can be saved. And that is our message as well. Is that judgment's coming. Christ is coming again. He's not coming as a again as a, as a humble servant. He's coming as a conquering king. He's coming as a mighty king who is going to set up his kingdom, and so this is what this is. So Noah did this; and he did this faithfully. Jesus said in Matthew twenty-four, fourteen: "And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come." He says this gospel will reach the corners of the, of the globe. He says then the end will come. So God the Father has an appointed time. Nobody knows it. But when that time comes, Christ will come again. When that time comes, he will come. Christ will come. So remember that the patience of the Lord means salvation for more people. So the longer he waits, that's the more time for for the gospel to be proclaimed and for people to come to salvation. And so praise God for that. So we look forward to him coming coming again. But in the meantime, we need to be about his work. Be about his work of proclaiming the gospel. Which is kind of what Peter begins to talk about here in verses 11 through 18. It says, in light of Jesus' impending return, how how then shall we live? So verses 11 through 18, 2 Peter chapter 3 since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Waiting for the hastening, hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be founded by him without spot, spot or blemish and at peace. And Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does not, as he does in all his letters when he speaks to them in these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do the other as they do the other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing that you are before this beforehand, that you take care you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. But grow the grace of the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. So in light of Jesus' impending return, how then shall we live? First of all, he says, as we patiently wait, live our lives in holy conduct and godliness. So that we are to be people who represent we are if we are Christians, if we are followers of Christ, we are to represent Him properly in the way that we live, in holy conduct and godliness. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, is that we are called to be different. If you are saved, you are to be different. You've been called by God to be different. We are to live our lives set apart as God's servants. Again, we're to look different. We're to think differently, act differently, talk differently. We are different. We are fundamentally, we've been fundamentally transformed at our core. We are no longer the same when we come to know Christ. And we are to be called out and to be different. Paul would say it a different way. He'd say, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. And Paul says that multiple times in his epistles. Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. Second thing we see in verses 12 and 13 is as we patiently wait, live with eternity in view. Live with eternity in view. Live today with eternity in view. Again, knowing this is not our home. We look forward to Jesus coming with great joy and anticipation. And maybe, I don't know if you realize this, but we are commanded to watch. We are commanded to watch and look for the coming of Christ. So we look forward to Jesus coming with great joy and anticipation. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. According to the promise of God, we are looking and waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Doesn't that sound Great. A kingdom where righteousness dwells, ruled by the king of kings and the lord of lords. And then he reminds them, he says, all that you see is going to be destroyed. Pursue those things that have eternal value. What are those things that have eternal value? Again, sharing the gospel, discipling your your kids. Uh, giving, giving, worshiping, serving, serving, honoring the Lord with your life—these things have eternal value. It says, pursue those things because all the stuff that we see, it's going to be burned up. It's all temporal; it's going to be burned up. And finally, he tells them, it "Says, as we patiently wait, be diligent to study the Scriptures so that you will not be deceived and led astray." And if we're not careful, if we're not continually staying in God's word, we can be deceived and led away. Not lose your salvation, but become ineffective. That's what Satan wants to do. He can't do anything about your salvation, but he can render you ineffective. And so as we patiently wait and we look for the coming of Christ, be diligent to study the scriptures that you will not be deceived. Heed the warning. Peter gives him a warning. He says, heed that warning. Is that these false teachers, they're crafty. They're smart. You've watched these, the, you've, we've watched the American gospel here. Uh, I guess both of those here a year and a half ago, two years ago, however long it's been. Those guys, they're crafty. Those faith healers, they're crafty. The prosperity gospel, they're crafty. And it has just enough truth in it to draw you in. And so heed the warning. How do we how do we keep from falling? How do we keep from being deceived? Re- being in God's word. That's how we do that. If we're not in God's word, we could be deceived. It says grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So this is what he called us has called us to do. And so as we wrap up 2022, got a few more things we're going to talk about. We've established that Jesus came once. The first advent it's already happened. It's been fulfilled. But he's going to come again. Jesus is coming again. But the next time it will not be as a humble servant, but a conquering king. And I love this picture you see in Revelation chapter 19. Let's go to Revelation chapter 19. So remember the humble baby born to a poor, basically peasants. In a stable, who came to serve, and then in Revelation chapter nineteen, verses eleven through sixteen, I love this image of Christ. It says, "Then I saw a heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war." His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. For the mouth comes, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. he will tread the winepress the fury of the wrath of God, Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, I was having a conversation this week, I guess it was today with with one of the guys, and I was like, you know, to be in politics, you kind of got to have an ego. I mean, it's required, because you got to say, I'm awesome, this guy's guy's not. They all do that, do they? I mean, you kind of have to in the debate, saying, this is why this guy's a bad choice, and... I'm the guy. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of politics and things like that, and there's a lot of people in the world who, um, who are powerful people, and one day what, they, what we fail to realize is that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day they will answer to him. One day we will answer to him. And so he is not coming as a humble servant but a conquering king it's interesting, it talks about his robe dipped in blood, and he's he's called the Word of God. And he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. One thing we, we need to be careful of is the rapture and the second coming of Christ are two different things. They're two different things. So the second advent of Christ is this. The rapture is something that happens before that, the rapturing up or the snatching away of the church. So that is a separate event that happens before this. This is, at, this is the end of the tribulation, when Christ comes. And so we need to make sure we differentiate between the two. So when we're talking about the second advent of Christ, we're talking about when he comes again right here, as a conquering king to set up his kingdom to deal with sin. The final prophecy we're going to look at concerning Christ's second coming, we're going to look at and see what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus talks about the signs of the times and things like that in this passage. Matthew 24, bear with me, we're going to read a lot of verses here, but starting in verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places and all the... All these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver up to you deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and be, betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let, the, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not return to take his cloak and alas, women who are pregnant and those who are nursing infants in those days uh, pray that your flight may be not be in winter or on a sabbath for then there will be great tribulation such as not been be- been uh, from the beginning of the world until now no and never will be and if those days had not been cut short no human being would be saved for the sake of the elect those days will be cut short then if any then if anyone says to you look here is the Christ or there he is do not believe it for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders as to lead, lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So I, have said, so I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will co- the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. Immediately this after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. So we read about in Revelation, here's Jesus talking about it. it says then, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and will gather his elect from the four winds from the end of, from one end of heaven to the other from the fig tree learn its lesson as soon as the branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves you know that summer is near so also when you see these things you know that he is near at the very gates Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And That that brings great comfort. That this world is constantly changing, this world is going to pass away, but God never changes. And his words will never pass away. Verse 36. So now concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days in Noah... So will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then verse forty four. Therefore, you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at a proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find doing when he comes. So Jesus is telling them these are the things that are going to happen. These are the signs that are going to happen uh, before Christ comes again and then when he does come. But we see here is that Jesus, first of all, again, he's coming back. He just as much told them that. And if you go to John 14, Jesus tells his disciples plainly that he is coming back. John 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, Let not your hearts be troubled, Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Then Jesus goes on and tells them, what is the way? Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am going away but i promise you i'm coming again jesus is coming back you can take you can bank on that when jesus promises something it will happen next thing concerning matthew 24 is when you look around and you see the craziness in this world don't be troubled jesus says these things must happen he says don't be troubled don't let your heart be troubled These things must take place prior to my return. These things have to happen. So when you see, and you look around, you see uh, the world seems like it's going, it's out of control. It's not. These things must happen. Another thing Jesus tells them is to discern the times. We are getting closer to the return of Christ. So if he doesn't come today, we're one day closer than we were yesterday. If he doesn't come tomorrow... Well, we're one day closer to his return. So with every passing day that he doesn't come, we are getting closer and closer and closer day by day. Discern the times we're getting closer to the return of Christ. And then he tells them, what does he tell his disciples? He says, be prepared. He says, when Christ returns, may he find you doing. May he find you serving. May he find you proclaiming, proclaiming the word of God. May he find you serving him. So when the Bible tells us to eagerly anticipate and to watch for the coming of Christ, it doesn't mean just sit around and do nothing. It means that in the meantime, as we watch, we serve, we work, we do what God has called us to do. In verse 46 again, it says, Blessed blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So if Christ was going to come, if he came tonight... Have you been serving him? Have you been living a godly life that honors him? Have you been going about his work of proclaiming the gospel, of trying to doing your best to train your kids to be a, to be a, a functioning part of the of, his, of the church, sharing sharing what God has done for you, in your work? Are you do have, if he was to come today, would he find you doing those things? Well, this is what he, he tells his disciples to do. He says, be prepared. He's going to come at a time you don't expect. But when he comes, be living for him. So during this time of year, of course, we celebrate the birth of our Savior and the hope that came with his first advent. And we should celebrate that. It was a great event, is that Jesus came and he became God with us, Emmanuel. And he put on flesh and he dwelt among us, is what John chapter 1 says. And we celebrate that, and we should celebrate that. But it's so much more than just about a baby. Why did Jesus come? We talked about this last week. He came to die. He came to die to redeem sinners. And so during this time, we celebrate the birth of our Savior and the hope that that came with his first advent but also at this time of year as we celebrate we celebrate the coming of Christ be a great time to reflect and to contemplate his second advent do you live every day saying Christ could come today how would it change our lives if i woke up tomorrow and said Christ would he could come today It might change, it's going to change the way I do things. might change the way I respond to things Um, because I want him to find me doing when he comes. So if he was going to come today, how would I live my life? And so this is a great time as we celebrate his first advent and we look forward to his second advent. Maybe we reflect and contemplate the second advent because what a day that'll be. What a day that'll be. Christ is coming again. Just as he promised the first time. Just as it was prophesied and it was fulfilled, it's been prophesied that he will come again. And I love this passage in Second Peter because it, it brings all this together. It says, Christ is coming again. How are you living? May he find you serving him when he comes. And that would be the challenge today is will he find you serving when he comes? So during this time of year, absolutely. We celebrate the birth of Christ. Without that, we'd still be hopeless. Without hope, lost in our sins. Praise God for that, that he came, that he came and he died and he rose again to save us. But we look forward to the day that he's going to come again. And he's going to make all the wrong things right. He's going to do away with sin, do away with sorrow, do away with suffering. And he's going to rule and reign in righteousness and justice. It's hard for us to understand what that looks like because we don't see that in the world. As rulers reigning in righteousness and justice, Jesus Christ will. And so praise God. And, and during this time, don't forget, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, don't forget to contemplate and think about his second coming as a conquering king, a mighty warrior who's going to come and set up his kingdom. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your, the promise of your coming, that you, just as it was prophesied you would come the first time, uh, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that you came, that you died, you rose again to redeem sinners and to save sinners, or to bring us hope. Our world is, is hopeless. And Lord, I pray that you help us to bring the message of hope that Jesus Christ came into our world. But at the same time, same side of that, that same message is that unless they repent, they will face the wrath of God. So help us to contemplate your coming again, to realize that it could be today it could be tomorrow it could be any time when we least expect it and so I pray God that for each of us in here that when you come again you'd find us doing that when you come again you'd find us serving when you come again you'd find us proclaiming the gospel or do we want to hasten the coming of the second coming and what a day that'll be and we look forward to that with, and we eagerly anticipate that but in the meantime Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be your servants and that we would do whatever you call us to do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.